0: Welcome in to another episode of Grady Research Radio, the podcast highlighting the research and expertise coming out of Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia, advancing knowledge, innovation, and creation in the fields of journalism, advertising, public relations, and entertainment and media studies. I'm your host, Jackson Schroeder. organizations and brands to attract consumers and gain their trust accomplishing both of these tasks though is no easy feat two factors that greatly impact the attractiveness of advertisements and consumer trust are the personalization of advertisements adding names and images to ads for example and disclosing if and how an advertisement Whether it's an image, video, or user review, may be manipulated or influenced by a brand. In this episode, Dr. Alexander Foyfer, an assistant professor of advertising in the Department of Advertising and Public Relations at Grady College, speaks about his research addressing those very questions. So, to start, I want to ask you a little bit about your recent research work. Um, I know you recently worked on a study for the Journal of Interactive Advertising that evaluated the effectiveness of personalized recruitment ads. Um, can you walk me through that study, what you were seeking to learn, and what you found?
1: Yes. Um, so, this is a study that was led um, by Jean Fiffelman at EM Strasbourg Business School. And um, the study aimed to address the challenge of organizations recruiting new talent to replace retiring workers. So we have globalization, technological change, um, and all of that shaping the, the job market. And so organizations sometimes find themselves in the position of you know having skill shortages. And so the study wanted to see whether advertising could help organizations meet that challenge. And that is of advertising if it's done right, right? So we looked at personalization as one potential strategy and uh, that means including personally identifiable information uh, in the ads and we looked at literature on personalization that was out there uh, we saw that recruitment advertising had rarely been examined as a context and uh, that the insights that there are on personalized product service or commercial advertising in general may not easily translate into um, the recruitment advertising uh, context so what we found was Actually pretty cool. Uh, So we saw that personalization in recruitment, in the recruitment ad context. We found that personalization could be beneficial to organizations. So when an organization addresses a potential employee on social media by using both their image and name, uh, they felt treated more considerately. uh, they perceived that organization as more attractive, and uh, they were much more likely to subsequently want to pursue that job, or to click on the ad and learn more about the organization. And that strategy worked specifically um, for individuals who perceived uh, the message as less relevant to them on the outset.
0: Great. So were those the results that you expected to find in your hypothesis for this study, or were you surprised by those results in any way?
1: I think from the existing literature, we thought that... um, maybe using a name of a person was enough personalization. Mm-hmm. We thought that maybe using images would be perceived as being too intrusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we saw that using just the name actually was not effective. Um, I don't know if that has to do with the context of it being recruitment ads, or if it has to do that you know using names has been used a lot in email marketing um, and in commercial ads. And that maybe the effects of that that have previously been shown to be, you know, effective um, may no longer may no longer be novel and may no longer um, exert that effect. So we saw that it really took the name and the image of that person to have that effect Mm -hmm. and that it needs to be someone who, you know, wasn't really that involved with a message to begin with.
0: Great. So backing up a little bit, um, can you. Give a more holistic introduction to your research in general what the majority of it focuses on
1: yeah so my research focuses on digital advertising effects broadly and i look at that through a lens of consumer protection and empowerment and i explore effects that focus on theories of persuasion um, and the construct of trust and so The uh, majority of my research has focused on approaches of ensuring that consumers are informed um, about the persuasive nature of their content um, and how that empowerment influences advertising effects.
0: Great, so uh, reading through a little bit of your research, I, I noticed that there seems to be this overlying trend that transparency is all often a good idea for marketers in terms of boosting consumer trust. Um, so is this true and can you explain where it's true and, and why that might be?
1: Yeah, so I've looked at um, a variety of disclosure messages that would aim at making sure that consumers are informed. And so originally, I started looking at that in the sponsorship disclosure context. Uh, And I found that uh, consumer responses to those disclosures were nuanced. So in terms of the effects that we see, it matters what type of sponsorship was entered, right? what sort of deal was entered um, and was disclosed. And so we saw that for sponsorship, consumers were much more likely to accept um, a message that was sponsored by the reviewer receiving a free product, as opposed to maybe receiving payment or a commission. Mm-hmm. And I think the interesting bit was that we saw that the free product sponsorship was actually statistically equivalent to a review that you know ostensibly was not sponsored and didn't have a disclosure at all.
0: Okay, great. So this might be asking you to speculate slightly, but are there any instances where a marketer or brand can be too transparent um, where transparency can kind of hurt them or their brand?
1: Um, So in the context of my research, we've seen that being more forthcoming was of benefit to brands. Mm -hmm. So giving that additional information over just a general disclosure was more accepted by consumers. And they were actually somewhat cynical or suspicious of more general disclosures that simply thanked a brand for making something possible Mm -hmm. versus saying specifically what they received in return.
0: Great. So in that regard, do you believe that this is a trend that will continue? Will consumers continue or increasingly want to see specifics in disclosure messages rather than the general disclosure messages, such as, as you mentioned, thanking a brand for making something possible?
1: I think it's a trend that we'll see in different contexts as well. Uh, So I've expanded my research to looking into disclosures in um, the context of image manipulation. So Mm -hmm. we're seeing that there are certain countries that are already putting uh, requirements in place that Photoshopping would need to be disclosed. And so we actually just presented a study at an international advertising conference uh, in Europe, uh, in Prague, that focused specifically on that. In that case, we were less concerned with you know how that would affect the effectiveness of the ad but more interested in can we mitigate potentially harmful effects of image manipulation which has been linked to um, issues of mental health to um, you know negatively affecting beauty standards and we saw that those disclosures and specifically if they are more detailed can um, you know through different mechanisms, um, they have the potential to reduce some of those negative effects, particularly in terms of the extent to which we compare our own bodies to, you know, maybe unrealistic depictions or often inhuman proportions of people that are depicted um, in those social media posts.
0: Great. So kind of following... Off of that, do you believe that if the governments start to mandate that you have to disclose the information that this image has been manipulated, do you think that image manipulation will continue at the same rate that it might be at right now?
1: (laughs) I will have to speculate on that. I don't have the data on that. But I think so. those limitations apply to sponsored content specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also saw that those disclosures had some negative effects on how Uh, consumers' perceived brands and also, um, you know, the content creators. So I would think that it could be beneficial to brands to have less um, retouched images. And I think we've also seen brands already trying to show, I guess, more realistic depictions uh, in their ads already, even outside of the social media space.
0: Great. So so now moving forward, what's next for your research? And is there anything that you're working on right now or in the near future that you're particularly excited about?
1: Yeah. So um, as an extension of the, the research that I just talked about with uh, imagery touching, we're also looking at uh, CGI influencers mm-hmm. and how disclosure of, I guess, disclosing to consumers that an influencer that they're seeing is actually computer generated. How that might affect uh, how they perceive the brand, how they perceive that content creator, you know, and how much they would be willing to rely on that information. So that's research that's going on right now. Um, I'm working on that uh, together with Haley Hatfield, um, Ju Young Kim, and then Nate Evans who was also part of the image retouching project. Uh, and so we're going to be presenting that at the uh, American Academy of Advertising Conference in Denver uh, next March in 2023. So that's one thing that's going on. And then another thing is, so one of my research lines has been striving to apply marketing principles and uh, my interest in trust in the context of health and sustainability. And so an ongoing project right now that was actually... Um, Funded by the American Academy of Advertising and also by the Coleman Group, which is a um, consulting firm in Atlanta, and so it looks at the role of trust in social media content about the COVID-19 vaccine. So essentially, um, we've seen a lot of content come out, be it from institutions and organizations, but also from you know fellow social media users about their personal accounts and personal experiences with that. And we're interested in seeing what are content attributes? So what are um, specific aspects of the content that would let audiences generate sort of an initial level of trust Mm -hmm. so that in a, you know, polarizing context, um, we can get to a point where we have a base level of trust so we can engage with the information rather than outright rejecting it before, you know, um, evaluating it in the first place.
0: Great. Well, thank you for joining today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's it for this episode of Grady Research Radio. Thanks for tuning in.